What's really good, everyone? It is the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican kaiju himself, Christian Joe Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we are going to review WWE's Royal Rumble from 2022, so this year. Um, Royal Rumble is one of my top two favorite wrestling shows ever. Like, I really grew up loving Royal Rumble and Wrestle in SummerSlam. Actually, I mean, it's funny. As much as WrestleMania gets hype, I think I was a bigger fan of SummerSlam. I don't know what it was. It was probably because it was the time of year. I was a bigger fan of that stuff. A lot of cool storylines usually kicked off in SummerSlam. And yes, WrestleMania usually ends chapters and things. But there was just something cool about that time of year. And I wasn't really a huge fan of Survivor Series. Survivor Series always seemed like they were just trying to like, okay, we need a fourth big pay-per-view. There it is. If anything, if they if they did it right, Survivor Series show would be a versus thing, but lately it's not been executed the way that people see that they should have been executed, so it's almost become the ostracized pay-per-view that the, the, the least popular of the big four. But uh, now let's discuss this year's Royal Rumble. It starts off with Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. In uh, my gosh, what a opener. You get the normal Roman Reigns entry where he gets that big entrance and he makes, you know, he poses and he it's that huge long heel entrance where you can literally go to the bathroom, come back, the match hasn't even started yet, that whole ordeal with Roman because he is the tribal chief, he is the damn man running the show and you know how it goes. So he is facing his former friend uh, Seth Rollins and this story buildup has been pretty good because there's a lot of callbacks with him and Dean Ambrose, who is now known as John Moxley, and Roman were all part of the Shield, and they kind of alluded to like why they broke up and why Seth broke up the Shield, and they did, and that whole storyline. It's like okay, we're getting callbacks from like ten years ago uh, when they were uh, just debuting to when they broke up in 2014 and all that stuff, and Seth kind of went on his heel run, and that whole thing was just like okay, we're kind of getting pieces, but the problem is that. We went into this feud with two heels because Seth is technically a heel in Raw. He's just visiting on SmackDown as a babyface, I guess you could say, because he's getting big pops now. Like, this is the thing about Seth Rollins. Ever since his giant meltdown on Twitter a couple years ago, people have been sour on him. Now, I was a huge Seth Rollins fan. I had Seth Rollins t-shirts. I thought this guy was awesome, even back when he was still a heel and used his Money in the Bank briefcase on Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I thought that was genius. I'm like, this guy is the man. He is. This is the way you make an impact. And I love that kind of character where he outsmarts everyone. Like, he's not the biggest guy. Yes, he's 6'2 in height, but he's regular weight. He's like 215, right? So he looks like a normal person walking down the street. Whereas Roman Reigns, who's also 6'2, is jacked to the gills, built like a football player. So he's got another 50 pounds on Seth. But what Seth lacks in size, he has in speed and, and cunning, and that's what his character is all about. Always outsmarting his opponents against Brock Lesnar, another six foot three giant, who's also like uh, over almost 300 pounds. So at this point, this is going to be another Roman Reigns coronation. Back before he was even the heel, he was a babyface that everyone hated, and now he's a now he's a heel that everyone loves because. He won us over, especially after battling leukemia and coming back from that and becoming a heel, like he, how he should have been years ago. Like Roman should have started off a heel and then turned babyface, but now we're at a weird point where Roman is a beloved heel. I don't get it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me either. So this match is awesome. All of it gave me this and more. I want to see the Slomania, but plans could change because you don't know WWE, especially with Vince. You don't know where these plans will lead, where they're going to take it, because they give you one lit match, and then they're like, okay, you guys had enough. It's time to move on to the next thing. And again, I'm not saying, oh, no, they should keep the story going to Mania, but they have other plans lined up, and honestly, I don't know what's going on in WWE. Between all these firings this past couple of years and all these erratic changes, like, I heard they changed Rumble 20 times before it went to air. 20 times Vince I know you're an older man your 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 years are past you and you're freaking out because you're you're getting up there in age and you don't want to hand the company to anyone just yet it's evident you want to control everything I get that but my man 
20 times. I think you had it right the first couple times. The Royal Rumble would have been better. This was rated, I'm not even, not even lying, the worst Royal Rumble ever. Now, of course, that's reactionary fans and the internet outrage. Everyone freaks out like, oh, this is the worst Rumble ever. But in hindsight, there have been worse rumbles, let's be honest. And as far as I'm concerned, I was entertained by this, okay? Let's just go back to my notes. We started off uh, with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins putting up a banger of a match, and Roman won via DQ when he uh, had Seth in a, his guillotine move under the ropes, and he didn't, uh, after the five count, he didn't let go. It is what it is. I know some people hate DQ finishes at pay-per-views. You want an actual win. I did too. I wanted Roman to actually beat the dog shit out of Seth Rollins. It needed to happen. I wanted Seth Rollins to go in there thinking he was an outsmart Roman and somehow get outperformed by the cunningness, by the by the just you know roman is a heel now he's not a baby face anymore he knows how to play the game he knows how to be dirty he doesn't need the usos to be this to outsmart Seth. he should be able to just physically outpower him but also mentally outmaneuver him like a chessboard you know like seth thinks he has him like first off seth came in trolling roman with the old shield theme and through the crowd in full-on shield getup, laughing at Roman. Roman was caught off guard with this, definitely embarrassed a little bit. And he's like, really? You're gonna play that game? You're gonna play that game with me? I the gloves are off. And the gloves were off in exactly what I wanted. Roman, an unhinged Roman Reigns, really trying to <laughs> take down Seth for real. And it was a great match. I mean, there's one spot where Roman went for a spear and Seth caught into a pedigree. He's done it before. Seth knows his whole moveset. I mean, it was previously in SmackDown where Roman went for a Superman punch and Seth dodged it by instinct, knowing Roman would go for one when his back was turned to again, you know, turned him on him. So it's like, I get where this is all going. Question now really is, where does the story go from here? Because now that Seth lost via DQ, there's the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia and Jeddah, and he's part of it because he's, since he's part of it because he technically got screwed over for his championship opportunity, is he gonna win the Elimination Chamber in Head Mania? But there's a lot of speculation that they're trying to do a different story where Seth faces someone else in Mania. I'm not gonna get into that. I'm not gonna confirm or deny who that person is because I, don't know what's no one knows what happens in WWE. Like, let's keep it 100. It happens on a daily basis. They purposely give you this like headline, like, oh, you know, Seth versus so and so. But you're like, so and so and Seth and Mania. Why? They could do this at any pay per view because it's Mania and you want a big spot fest and you want a big spectacle. It's all about making moments. But I actually think Seth is overdue for a nice championship run once again. None of the fans have not turned on him. They actually turned towards him ever since that one deranged fan in New York attacked Seth Rollins twice, twice in the same night. I don't know why they didn't kick the guy out. And this guy went on social media like, on IG Live and saying like he was doing it for the bloodline. Like, bro, you're not even Samoan. Like, what are you talking about the bloodline? You're talking about Roman and them? Like, <laughs> them boys and, and Roman? Like, no. Like, this this really mentally ill guy was just out attacking, physically assaulting the talent. Let me tell you, folks, I know that this is suspension of disbelief and people really get involved in wrestling shows and it feels real, but this is a show, people. What happens there is there. It's there to entice you to scream and boo and cheer. Do not physically assault the wrestlers. Back in the old days, the wrestlers were allowed to fight back and take you out. Now with so many liability lawsuits, they can't afford to. Please keep yourself, especially during COVID. Let's keep it 100. We are still in the pandemic. Stop acting like it's okay just to run up to somebody and just attack them or even hug them without, you know, like we're going through some things right now. So if someone's on their job site doing their thing, let them be, especially there to entertain you. If you're not entertained, walk out. Don't start attacking the talent like you're part of the show. This is make-believe storytelling. This is not real life. You're there to pay to sit your ass down, drink your beer, eat your food, cheer, laugh, whatever you want, but please never get 
physically involved unless you want to get your ass whooped. I'm just saying that from here on out because it ain't cool. It is not cool. So we start off with the women's rumble. Uh, number one, we get Sasha Banks and she pops out in a full on Sailor Moon Usagi cosplay like yo let's go Sailor Sasha Moon right here and she faces the number two opponent and none other than WWE legend Melina Melina who looks great coming off her NWA run because she has been on NWA the past year or two and she's been killing it down there in, uh, in Georgia and Atlanta and that's where they film it and it's taped so I forget that NWA is taped so far ahead so I'm thinking to myself, wasn't she supposed to be down in, oh wait, that's right, this was recorded months ago, so te technically she was able to get in better physical shape, not that she was out of shape, but to get ring shape for a big show, you have to be at a certain level, you know, you gotta cut down on certain things, and to just to look the part, and she looked great, she looked phenomenal, and she still looks the same, Melina out there, she was so emotionally like overwhelmed she started tearing up a little bit and Sasha was like hey let's get back in the match and that was great to see the legend but what I didn't like is that she was just there for like a minute and a half and got tossed out right away like they didn't not give her they gave her the full entrance with the red carpet the theme music the splits oh yes the splits are plenty and then Sasha tossed her out less than a few moves like they were just their, you know, collar and elbow lockup and threw her out quickly and she mocked her by doing her own splits in her Sailor Moon. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you're going to talk about the most uh, saved gif, I'm just... <laughs> yes, it's... I'm, yeah, I'm a dirty man. It's whatever. Uh, so <laughs> so that, that happened. Um, so she is taunting the opponent because now, you know, Sasha's heel, so she's doing heel shit. Uh, we move on. Number three is Tamina. She goes in there. Uh, number four is ever another quote-unquote WWE legend. Kelly Kelly pops in, looking great, and um, not as blonde as usual. Her hair is a bit different, and um, but definitely as pink as always. And she's looking for physically in great shape, of course. I mean, that lady she never looked any different. I, I would say maybe facial features change because obviously we all age. But as far as physique, she looks amazing. Like she looks. She looks great, and um, she goes in there and quickly eliminated, but not so quickly. I mean, yes and no. Um, Sasha eliminates her right there, and then after a few moves and maneuvers there, her Karana outside the ring, and then just kicks, gets kicked out. Um, number five, we have Aaliyah, the new member of the SmackDown roster, who was like on NXT 1.0 for like six years. I remember her being like a jobber NXT years ago when NXT was still blowing up and like dang forever it's a little time you got to the main roster because she had no storylines on NXT she was just I guess in the performance center just getting better I guess the whole time and you know more props to her because she's killing it on SmackDown now so that's good so she pops in and then number six is Liv Morgan one of my favorite wrestlers on on TV like she is definitely I don't want to say underutilized because she did have a main event of match at day one against Becky Lynch, but she's definitely growing in her skill set and slowly developing her own, I don't want to say character, but her own, she's growing. And she's getting to the point that Liv is now known as somebody you can trust in the ring who can definitely make anybody look good because she is killing it. This girl is putting in the hours, putting in the mileage putting in her 10,000 hours. Like as I say, to mastery skill, you need 10,000 hours. So she's definitely at that point. Uh, number seven. Oh, this entry was fun. You got a uh, Queen Selena Vega in Madra Uchiha cosplay. She went in there with more Naruto cosplay. Like, yes, give me more of this. And she went in there to start kicking ass. And her and Tamina started teaming up in a bit. And then at number eight, we have the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair. And she comes in. And then we get Dana Brooke at number nine with Reggie on her side. And then Michelle McCool comes through at number 10 with some great looking gear. It's like camouflage, like blue camouflage. It's very like color pop. Like I like the look of it. Uh, she quickly eliminates Dana Brooke. <laughs> So at number 11, we get Sonya the Veil with her damn jacket because she's management. And she just strolls down slowly and just sits by the ringside by the commentators and the table and just, you know, shoots the shit there, I guess. That's what she's doing. And then we have here where uh, number 12 is Natalia. 
and she goes in there and does her thing for a while. Then Bianca come takes out Tamina in a reversal. Well, it's like a three-way between Natalia, Tamina, and Bianca, and they get caught up somewhere where they're trying to toss each other out. And Natalia's thing is that she has gorilla grip hands. Like she's not letting go of the ropes. No matter how many times you're taking her out, she is gonna outlast everyone. And number 13, we got a returning Cameron, who we haven't seen since, I think, a battle royale in AW as her shoot name, Ariane. So she's back, and she's um, she's Naomi's friend from back when they were the Funkodactyls for uh, Burgess Clay. And then that's when the commentators brought that up, and they're like, oh, so you would say she's an old friend of Naomi's, right? Like, yeah. So finally, Sonya goes in, she enters and starts attacking Cameron and eliminates her right away because she's associated with a Naomi. And who's number 14, of course? Naomi. Of course that is, and Naomi's pissed off and she just saw what happened backstage in the monitors and walks in there and goes to Cameron's side to make sure she's okay, and then she starts lighting her up, Sonya Deville, lighting Sonya Deville up. So then we see Naomi who eliminates Sonya. Now, not only did the conclusion of their feud, or I thought it was the conclusion, and that it the last, I think, SmackDown show where she actually pinned Sonya, but she tossed her out of the Rumble. So at this point, can Sonya stop being obsessed with Naomi and move this forward? Because we still don't know why Sonya doesn't like Naomi. It's been weeks and we're still like, what is the reason? Because she's entitled? Like, I don't know what the hell that even... I, I'm, I, I don't think Naomi comes off as an entitled like little princess. She actually is there to earn her check, so it doesn't really suit her character. Like Naomi's very humble, and but it is what it is. So number fifteen, we get Carmella. What a sick, fire new theme song, straight out of Compton. Like she has that old Easy E inspired my 64 beat and like yo this beat slaps like this new theme is way better than the last one and i like the last one which is a little bit more mob bossy but carmella did not like her sexualized diva character she wanted to be treated like a wrestler and she wants to be treated as such so they gave her a new bossier theme and mellow's back and she came in and up her team but she goes to the commentary to talk to her man obviously Corey graves and she's like oh i'm not answering right now i don't have to enter at this very moment and of course, you know, it is what it is. We know how heels be healing. And uh, who's next? Number 16, The Nightmare, Rhea Ripley. And she's got some Venom-inspired makeup on, I guess. Symbio-inspired. And she goes in there and she goes right to the commentary table and grabs Carmella and throws her in. But Carmella and Selena, you know, tag team on her and jump her. So that is to be expected. Uh, number 17 is the, of course... Everyone's favorite, the Queen, Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Everyone's favorite, yeah. Well, you know, Charlotte Flair is great. Her character is okay. At this point, I'm kind of sick of Charlotte in total. And, like, she knows that people are sick of her. But the issue is that there isn't anybody on Charlotte's level. And she keeps repeating that. But it's not that there isn't anybody on Charlotte's level. Charlotte's level is that everyone is kind of, like, always pushed aside for Charlotte. Because Charlotte's really good at spotlighting and being a heel, but also... I mean, she's a terrible babyface. Let's be honest. If you're looking for a heel, Charlotte is an amazing heel because she has a natural, like, look to her that's heelish, like super blonde, bombshell, you know, six feet tall most, and she just goes in there, like, of course, it's not because of her dad. I keep hating people bring that up, like, oh, she's in there because of her dad. Because let's keep it real, there's been many second or third generation stars who have gone WWE and have failed miserably because they were someone's kid. So she definitely is not there in the top card spot because of just her dad. It's because she's an amazing athlete and she earned that spot. Question is, who's gonna take her out of that spot? That's the hard part. So Charlotte comes in, she eliminates a new Nubian, Aaliyah, and then, you know, we get Sonya the Bill, who is just salty from getting eliminated by Naomi, eliminates Naomi as she's trying to do one of her savior spots where she falls out, but her feet didn't touch, so she's trying to like climb back in. So what does Sonya the Bill does? She just grabs her arms and just yanks her out. Somehow that's not illegal that she's already eliminated. She's eliminating. I don't know. I don't make the rules, but last year we had some similar shenanigans almost as well in the men's rumble. So I don't know. It's it's it, it's it is what it is. So at number 18, we get a returning WWE legend, Ivory. <laughs> right to censor Ivory. 
uh, man, she looks amazing for 60. Let's be honest. Ivory, Ivory was always a bombshell. She was always a good-looking woman, but she hasn't aged, which is astounding. Like, she looks really great for her age. And she came in there with her microphone in her hand, giving everyone a huge speech on how to be better people, whatever. And then Rhea sees her, smiles at her, and, and pretty much eliminates her as she gets in there. But gently, because she's an older lady. And then number 19, we get Brie Mode, Brie Bella in there who's uh, fresh off of her, does she just have another kid? I'm not really sure, but she's back. So she goes in the rumble in an all red ensemble. Of course, the Bellas are always in reddish colors. Uh, number 20, we get Mickey James, returning Mickey James. I'm sorry, current impact knockouts champion, hardcore country Mickey James, there we go. And she goes in there with her full impact getup, her music. And Shrigway, everyone, and the funny thing is the crowd popped, and I'm like, they know about Hardcore Country, they know about Mickey James's Impact Run, or maybe they did some research, or it could be just saw her name on the Tron, but yeah, everyone was in it, and uh, into it, and she definitely owned a crowd, and she was there, and she got her spotlight, especially after her embarrassing release, where they put her all her stuff in a damn trash bag, I definitely fell for her for that, like, she definitely, just like at her redemption arc, like, yes, okay, she goes in here, as the Impact Champion, showing the Impact title on TV, mind you, okay? That's a pretty huge deal. And even in the post-match interviews, she was talking about Impact. So I'm like, okay, this is forbidden door stuff. WWE, you're actually doing something right by highlighting a little bit of something with Impact. But, you know, it's here today. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, number 21, we get Alicia Fox. Great to see her. She's all tatted up now. And um, she has not lost a beat when it comes to her wrestling. Her drop kicks look amazing. Her scissor kick, everything was like, her, she looked great in ring. Like, oh, I guess she's definitely had some, it was nice for her to be away from the screen. Like, she got some time to rest up. And I don't know what her circumstances are with her alcohol abuse or not, if she's in better terms or not. But I hope she's doing well and hope that she's doing great. Uh, but it's great to see her back in the ring and not lose a step. She still got it. Uh, number 22, Nikki A.S.H. She comes in. Summer Rae, 23, sprinting to the ring, screaming obscenities. That's <laughs> Natalia. You can barely catch her in the camera. And uh, Natalia actually eliminates Summer after she showboats a little bit on her. And Charlotte, like, pounds her and, like, hey, you're seeing my spotlight. <laughs> Which gives more heat to Charlotte, of course. Because, you know, she's Charlotte. Uh, they eliminate Summer Rae right away. Number 24 is Nikki Bella. So the second Bella twin. And that's where we get the this tag team uh, action with the Bellas. Where they pretty much like, hey, we join forces to take everybody else. At number 25, we have Sarah Logan. And Sarah Logan, who's returning from having just having a kid. And she was also let go, I believe. Um, she, looks, she looks amazing and dressed in like Viking garb and... Who's in the ring that sees her and spots her? Liv Morgan. And they have a little moment of, you know, actually, they didn't even have a moment. She got eliminated before they can even, like, embrace and hug in the ring. Uh, so Brie eliminates Liv Morgan after the fact that Nikki and Brie both eliminated Cyber Logan right away. So because they got so distracted. Number 26, we get a returning legend, Lita, and looking great. And I think Lita has a um, match with Charlotte down the road lined up. Um, so. But that's, that's to be determined considering, uh, well, you'll see what happens considering. Uh, Lita eliminates to Nikki James, and it is what it is. Uh, of course, it wasn't just that, because I think Nikki James eliminates, who does she eliminate? Nikki James eliminated Michelle McCool earlier. I kind of skipped that by accident. Okay, so Lita eliminates Mickey James. Then at number 26, we have Mighty Molly. All right, Molly Holly. She comes in there, and she's walking, and then she gets pounced on by Nikki A.S.H. She's a jealous bitch. I'm <laughs> saying there's only room for one superhero here, okay? And then uh, number 27, this spot got me fired up. A returning rowdy Ronda Rousey, and she's straight four months out of just having a child, goes back in the ring to whoop everyone's ass straight up heel mode. Ronda takes up both Nikki A.S.H. and Nikki Bella, I believe, at the same time. Guillotine, like, double guillotine, guillotine holds on, uh, holds on the outside by the post and knocks him down. Uh, Brie takes out her sister, though, because as her sister is, like, there, you know, staggered, she takes out... And this happened again in the last Rumble, too, so it's funny how, like, Brie's always getting the better hand of her other sister, Nikki. It's like, what the hell? 
And then Ronda takes out Brie at number 29 against Shotzi Blackheart and Shotzi, who just sadly heard, lost her dad, I think the day after the Rumble. Uh, my thoughts go out to her and her family. Uh, she goes in the ring and she looks great in makeup and the whole military thing that she does, the whole like punk metal military thing she's into. Um, and then Ronda eliminates Shotzi, uh, Bianca Belair eliminates Natalia finally, and then Charlotte eliminates Lita, then Charlotte eliminates Rhea. So we got a lot of eliminations here. We're like, okay, there's too many girls here. Let's get them all out. Charlotte eliminates Bianca and then we get and Shayna at the same time. So Shanna Baszler, who was actually number 30, I kind of skipped that, sorry about that, goes in there and then Ronda smiled because Shayna's actually one of the four horsewomen of, you know, the MMA and they had a moment of like, you know, hey, hey, and then they go back into action, back to work and they tag for a bit in a way. Uh, but yes, Charlotte eliminates Shayna, which pisses off Ronda and then Ronda takes off Charlotte and she is now the number one contender and will be facing whoever she chooses next week on Raw which we know at this point because it's obviously a late podcast and I believe she's challenging actually nope she's not confirmed if she's challenging she's gonna confirm to us on Smackdown on Friday so I gotta wait a couple of days to find out who Ronda is choosing I'm assuming she's gonna challenge Becky because they have that history but then again that that way we have Lita versus Charlotte in one story but who knows who knows WWE you can never gauge what their decision making is gonna do they want to pick the most uh, engaging for them what they could get numbers wise so we'll see what happens uh, and that's the rumble right there and it what a rumble it was I enjoyed it I enjoyed it way more than the men's rumble this year and it had a lot of surprises even though it has a lot of flub ups and a lot of issues and a lot of people we wanted to see weren't there and yada yada you know you're gonna have issues like this where they have too many people I mean here, all right let's just do let's just call it what it is WWE fired way too many wrestlers in the last couple of years and that included a lot of female wrestlers so it felt like they were reaching out to a lot of these wrestlers <laughs> they reached out to the to the iconics who are now the inspiration on impact to be in the rumble they're like no you guys fired us during a pandemic why the hell will we ever do that Mickey James is different because she's going in there as the impact champion representing impact and almost like opening up it's like a you're opening up a, a relationship between Impact and WWE. But, of course, Mickie James' story was kind of embarrassing, too, because she got all of her stuff in the trash bag. She didn't even get it in a box like most people do in office jobs. Like, imagine getting your stuff in a trash bag. It's just, it, it was bad all around. It was bad press. So, WWE's like, all right, Mickie, you can come back with your Impact Championship. You can come back with your Impact Music and, you know, just participate in the Rumble. And... Mickey's like, all right, and I actually leave here on good terms and not bad terms. Great. So I commend WWE for that. Awesome. But to ask all your fired talent to come back for the Rumble when they're still on their 90 day complete class, you got some brass ones for that. Because a lot of those people are like really jaded, like you just fired us. You didn't even like give us a chance to really see through our contracts. I mean, listen. Not for anything. Nick Khan is not anyone's favorite president of the company right now. And he is firing talent every so often in ways. Like, I wouldn't be surprised post-mania, we see like 50 more wrestlers freed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's getting him nuts. Like, how much, how, what is the budget at this point? Is there really is a budget or you just want to get rid of talent because you just want to get rid of talent because like, it's just, I know WWE has been hoarding talent for the last five to seven years. I understand that thoroughly. But they have so much good talent and they're just letting them go. Just like that to, to get, end up in the competition. Like, it's just weird to me. It really is. And there's some talent that wants to leave and they won't give them the, the release. That's another story for another day. But you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of weirdness happening in this company lately. As of late. But during Rumble season, I find that Vince was trying his best, especially when he, the man just lost his mother. Like, his mother died. She lived 101 years. You know, God bless her, she lived that long, but it's, 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 it's telling where we're like, okay, so what do we do at this point, right? So, like, what is the end game of all this? Um, the Rumble was a, I mean, it, it could have been better. I'm just not trying to shit on the products for the sake of shitting on it. I enjoyed most of the show, but I will say the 
Women's Rumble was great. Great. Could have been better? Absolutely. Could have been 100 times better. You could have had some NXT talent there, some call-ups there. You could have had people that, I don't know, just were backstage and for some reason weren't there. Well, you know, it is what it is, but this was a solid three and a half out of five-star Rumble. I mean, it's a battle royale. They're not going to be five stars because there's just so much going on, but it was definitely engaging and fun, And but I've seen better uh, women's rumbles in the last couple of years so that being said this one was okay and the fact Sasha Banks was eliminated so early like that was one of those weird things like really I thought she was gonna be like one of the top five in the end but it, it is what it is so on that note I'm gonna take a small break we're gonna take commercial and come right back for the next match that I have lined up to talk about which is uh, I believe Dewdrop versus Becky Lynch and that's for the Raw Women's Championship so don't move, we'll be right back. And welcome back. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, where do we leave off? Well, we finished the Women's Rumble, and I believe we're going to start talking about Dewdrop versus Becky Lynch. I thought the match was all right. It wasn't something I was looking forward to. I mean, heel versus heel, once again doesn't make sense story-wise but i'm gonna buy into this dewdrop is a great rookie from nxc uk as formerly known as piper nibbon viper in the indies she comes into this as a strong essentially heavy for the raw brand and i like her character is as such like she definitely comes off as a star on screen and she can hold her own so i'm glad that she's actually getting a chance to shine and then Becky Lynch, who's big time Bex, who's pretty much a cosplay of Conor McGregor. She said it herself, so don't don't kill me, internet. That's what she said. She inspired. She got inspired by. And big time Bex is a little bit more of a sneaky conniving heel. And again, Piper Niven, aka Dewdrop, is just straight up gonna bash you. So this was a great clash of styles. And thing was that Becky couldn't get the manhandle slam on Dewdrop because, again, not making any judgment that Becky Lynch is a very small lady and Drew Drop is a very large lady and physics are against Becky. She's cut, she's trimmed, but she don't got the power to pick up Drew Drop for that move. So that being said, she had to finish the match from the top rope with an avalanche, avalanche <laughs> manhandle slam to take out Drew Drop, which is more realistic you know, with physics and all. But before we got to the finish, there was a lot of back and forth. And Becky was getting ragdolled so well. And she sold for Dewdrop and made her look very much like a competitor. Like someone who can definitely have it down the road uh, as far as her future is going. And I think we are not done with what we're seeing here from uh, Dewdrop. And I hope that she continues and hopefully turns face and it makes more sense when she fakes Becky once again if not whoever the next champ is and takes it not maybe mania because we're close to the season so why not let's build up for this but also you have Bianca on the same brand who's trying to fight for her spot so maybe a triple that is triple threat is in order so we'll have to wait and see where this goes but end of the day it was a really good match and it deserves a good rating and I gotta say it was a good four out of five match and Next up we have here is Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. And this match was big, beefy men slapping meat. Just what we need. A little bit of that kaiju versus kaiju. Big man brawling. And again, this is 20 years in the making. I was more excited for this match because it should have already happened more than once at this point. But for some reason, like two shifts in the night, they never cross paths, and I don't know why not. I mean, Bobby Lashley, you know, former Bellator 15-2 record. He was a fighter on that brand, and he was a champion on that brand. This man held so many titles on Impact, and, you know, King of the Mountain and all that stuff. Bobby Lashley, career athlete with, you know, amateur wrestling, and going to UFC and becoming world heavyweight champion and coming back and taking over the world and universal champion and taking out like all these accolades on both men this match I was way more excited for than the previous match because the build was built in from years ago this is we're talking decades of accolades 
an achievement that they both conquered and they're able to meet in the middle and be like, all right, let's see who really is the true boss in the end of this. And this match was intrigued because for the reason that Lashley kind of won, even though it looked like it was very much, you had German for German. Like Brock was impressed in how Lashley was able to ragdoll him like nothing. And Bobby was, of course, great cardio. So he's in there like looking like a champ too. They're, these men are both north of 40 and they're looking in the best shape of their lives. So they're in there. And at one point, Brock gets German so much, so far back, he lands on top of his head. But because of his thick neck, he didn't break it. So he was actually impressed. And again, Bobby was able to toss him like that. And there's this intrigue with Paul Heyman. Is he on the side of Roman? Or is he still back with Lesnar? But towards the end, you see that when the ref was looking, the tribal chief Roman Reigns comes in and spears Lesnar. So that Bobby can go in for the finish and pin him for the win. Now, did Bobby Lashley need assist? No, but it was because I wasn't a spear. My apologies. It was they grabbed the belt. So he did spear him, but he grabbed the belt from Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman gladly gave him the belt. So now Paul Heyman's working for Roman again. I'm so confused here. So he's working for Roman again. Cool, whatever. So there's that. And so I guess he leaves the arena with Roman before the match is over. So I guess he turned, he double turned, triple turned. I lost track of Snake, that Snake called Heyman. But that's how Bobby was able to get the win and retain the title. And this was definitely a good four out of five display. It wasn't a five-star match because I don't like too many shenanigans, especially when these two guys could have legitimately had a shoot fight <laughs> if they wanted to in this ring. But it, for story's purposes, it, it makes sense what happened. So I'm not hating on it too hard. And that's why I'm giving it a decent rating. Uh, so next up, we have Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. What is there to say? I think that Miz and Maurice should have won this because they already got their asses handed and lost at day one. And then the next one would have been a rubber match at Elimination Chamber or something. I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me. So that being said, who the hell knows? Like, who the hell knows? Like, is Miz going to beat Edge and is Maurice going to beat Beth Phoenix? Like, it doesn't seem plausible. I mean, then again, Maurice had a brick in her damn purse, and that's how she took out Beth. When so, I mean, They're not really playing by anyone's rules. Maybe Brass Knuckles are next. We'll see what happens. But it was an okay match. This was like a three to five match. It was not what I was looking forward to. It was a bathroom break because Edge and Beth could go against stronger opponents than Miz and Maurice. And nothing against Miz and Maurice, who have the star power, yes. But in the ring with Edge and Beth, they're outclassed. So it's kind of like, okay, we know who's going to win this one. So I'm glad that they didn't lose to Miz and Maurice. I just hope they move past this, please, at this point. And then we go to the next event, which is the men's rumble, the moment we've all been waiting for, and the one that I'm like, finally, discuss this. And it starts off with the phenomenal AJ Styles at number one, early in fresh new gear. And number two, Shinsuke Nakamura. This is a New Japan fight in the beginning. Two strong style kings here going at it. And then number three, we got Austin Theory, the rookie at Raw, who's been pretty much the apprentice to Vince McMahon. Uh, he comes in, then you get Robert Roode comes in, and then AJ eliminates Robert Roode, who not before they had this face-off moment where the entire crowd's chanting TNA, TNA, callback to when they both were on TNA back in the old days. And then he quickly eliminates Robert. Uh, Rich Holland comes in at five and just like freaking shoulder tackles Austin like he's a pillow and just knocks him like a juggernaut. This guy's definitely dense. He is huge. And then AJ takes out Shinsuke. And then Montez Ford comes in number six. And then you got Damian Priest number seven. Sami Zayn eight. Johnny Knoxville number nine with the whole jackass crew. Like goes in there and he goes to the Shibata freaking strong forearms at, at, at AJ. And AJ's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna lay it in? Well, guess what? I'm, I'm gonna get you back with a couple of receipts. And he gives him a few, gives him a five-piece combo right there. He's like, why don't you give me a damn shoot hit? I will hit. Man, that moment was funny just seeing this reaction. Like, wow, you actually hit me for real. Okay. Okay, you want to play that game? <laughs> so we move onwards. Damian Priest comes in number seven. Sammy Zane 8, Johnny Knoxville 9, of course, attacking AJ. Uh, Sammy takes out Johnny Knoxville. Uh, then AJ takes out Sammy Zane. 
and then Angelo Dawkins comes in at 10. We got almost at 11. At this point, when almost came comes in, he's like freaking Big Show or Kane back in the old Rumbles or like Diesel, where he's just the monster taking everyone out. Almost takes out Dawkins and Ford. He takes out Ricochet. He takes out Chad Gable. He takes out Dominic Mysterio. No, actually, no, I lied. Chad Gable and Dominic Mysterio were able to help take out almost with the help of all the remaining guys because almost was there just taking everyone out effortlessly. This guy's like seven foot tall and like 400 pounds. And then everyone combines their forces to take out almost. And you get Happy Corbin comes in at 15. Uh, Corbin takes out Ricochet. Sorry about that. I thought Ricochet got taken out by almost. See, this is what happens. I jumped the gun. Ricochet came in there with some Jin Kazama Tekken 3 inspired gear. Looking crazy, like looking like it was on fire. Literally fire leg and everything. It was dope. And then Ziggler comes in at 16 to help out his, well, I mean, his boy's gone. So it's just Ziggler, the other half of the Dirty Dogs. And then Corbin takes out Dominic. And then AJ takes on Austin Theory after the Austin Theory's been like 30 minutes or something. So then AJ takes out Rich Holland, then Rick Boogs comes in, then Boogs takes out Chad Gable, Madcap Moss comes in, Madcap takes out AJ, like I know you're trying to, I always bash, they don't push the rookies, but Madcap taking out AJ, who was like the freaking Iron Man of the match here, who I thought was going to win this match, and I guess not, <laughs> there's that, and then Riddle comes in number 20, Corbin takes out Boogs, and then Drew McIntyre is at 21, Kevin Owens 22, Rey Mysterio 23, Kofi comes in at 24, and he goes to that Kofi spot, and he missed by the near, I mean, he went to the top rope, and he got pushed off by Kevin Owens, he was supposed to grab the ledge of the, I guess Morrison did this last year, but he missed by a few centimeters, and had to touch the floor, and they showed the replay, and he took both feet and touched the floor, so there's no way he can hide this. If I was WWE, I would have never seen the replay. <laughs> I guess they're trying to be honest here. So people are there in attendance. They're going to call shenanigans on them if they were not going to honor the actual, you know, you got to make it look real. Uh, so Owens takes out Kofi on accident. <laughs> I'm assuming he was supposed to leave later. Uh, Otis comes in from the Alpha Academy at 25, and he's like a wrecking ball. This guy is dense. He's wide. It's going to be hard to toss him out. Biggie at 26, Bad Bunny at 27 with some, like, I mean, Bad Bunny, like, this guy is in the middle of his tour, and he has time to wrestle, okay, I see it, and he takes out Sheamus, I guess they're gonna feud for Mania, so I can't wait to see how that turns out, because they're both adding each other on social media, uh, Otis takes on Mysterio, Shane McMahon is number 28, and he gets so much heat, <laughs> apparently he was getting shit in more than he should have, and, uh, everyone backstage was not happy about that, and it's, you know, Shane's been gone for so damn long. I thought he was dumb in WWE. He opened up a freaking weed company in California. He's just like, oh, I guess he's just going to be in the weed business. No, he's coming back to wrestle. Why not? He's got time, right? Uh, weed's going to sell itself anyways, right? So, I mean, makes money. So, Shane takes out Kevin Owens. Hopefully, setting up a few to Mania once again with Owens. We'll see where that goes. Randy Orton comes through and Lesnar at 30. And then from here on out, man, you know how it goes. It doesn't matter who eliminated who at this point. In the end, it came down to Brock Lesnar. Now, mind you, Drew McIntyre popped into this match. Uh, why did I miss Drew? Did I not write him down? Well, McIntyre was in here somewhere to mix, and he was holding his own, and you really thought it was going to be McIntyre winning the Rumble, but no. Lesnar comes out just like Ronda Rousey. The UFC champs come in and, like, take right house, and they just <laughs> take the brakes off everyone. Just... They just go in and go nuts and just listen. People don't understand. I like, know that there's the whole thing like, oh, you gotta build stars and yada yada. Listen, you need marquee stars for the main event so that actually promotes the program. Brock Lesnar is a name. Ronda Rousey is a name. Let's keep it 100. Let's keep it funky. Both Rumbles, there was a lot of mid card talent and a lot of outside talent. With the women's Rumble, they barely had enough women on the roster. They had to look for legends to fill out holes and former stars. And they didn't even, they, mind you, they didn't even use none of the NXT stars. So now we officially know NXT 2.0 is nowhere near the levels of SmackDown Raw. They're making it plain and simple, putting it out there. But it is what it is. I mean, what do you do when you you fired so many women? And in general, you don't have that many strong women in your roster as it is. You got rid of a lot of your good talent. So that being said, they were desperate and got who they could. And I wish they really outsource some great talent from NXT because they're right there. Some of the talent is ready. Where's Io Shirai? 
Where's uh, Raquel Gonzalez? Where's Dakota Kai? Like, you could have picked people there who are ready to go to the main roster and yet don't decide to take them. That, I don't understand. But it is what it is. For the men's rumble, though, you could have built stars, but this was a mid-card rumble. Like, it was a bunch of mid-carders and tag teams. Those just show that the WWE division has more tag teams than we thought, but also they don't have as many stars. Like, when people say, oh, why can't WWE build stars? Because they choose not to. All these acts, for the most part, are very mid. It is what it is. And until WWE and creative, aka Vince McMahon, decides to push certain talent, he's going to keep Lesnar on top because Lesnar is at the tail end of his reign of supreme power and look. He's not going to look that in the next 10 years or so. Maybe he is, like with Goldberg. I'm just saying, even Goldberg is, knows when it's time to wind down. He's winding down his last year of wrestling. So you want to have to milk the fame of UX UFC champ Brock Lesnar as much as you can until you can build another star. And I think that next star might be somebody from NXT 2.0. It's not anybody on the current roster by their own prerogative. It is what it is. That's what they choose. Where the hell is Cesaro and Finn Balor in this Rumble? Like, there's so many questions I had watching the Rumble. Like, so many people were missing. Uh, they even offered Ali a spot who wants to get fired or let go from his contract. And now you got a free Ali campaign going online. So a lot is going on in the wrestling world. A lot of not-so-nice news. I mean, Elimination Chamber is back in Saudi Arabia. Feel how you feel about it. I get it. Uh, but... It is what it is. Like, what do you do at this point? This company does not care about looking bad. They don't. They don't. All they care about is money in the bottom line. So, like, don't be surprised. A lot of these acts will get fired in the next round. Of, I'm sorry to say that. There's a lot of people in this roster that are going to get let go. They are in great shape. They look great. They'll do great elsewhere. But for the WWE mid-card scene to main event scene, a lot of these acts weren't holding their own. Rey Mysterio, who obviously is a legend, looked great. Big E got taken out way too soon. This man was WWE champion not too long ago, and he's already down to mid-card level. Like, they didn't make him look strong. Same way they didn't look, made Bianca look strong in the Women's Rumble. Uh, I mean, where's the showdown with Riddle and Brock? Riddle's been begging for Brock, and he was in the corner looking at the standoff between Brock and Bad Bunny. Like, there was just so many things, and I'm just like, why? Why? But you know what? I Don't go crazy understanding the mind of an old man. Like, again, I don't want to call Vince McMahon out of touch old man because he knows what he's doing as far as business. He knows who to push and get where his mind is at. Money. Think of the casual fan. Who are they going to look for? They're not looking for the five-star match. They're looking for names they know. But the thing is, they had time to build new names and not really build much of anything. Like, Finn Balor was a champion, and he got hurt within the same day that he won the belt, and other stars the same route. So they have to rely on somebody who has a history of made of any spots and looking strong and also moving tickets. So I guess we're in the ticket market because next year's WrestleMania, or this year, sorry, is going to be in Dallas, Texas. Next year's, I believe, is in Hollywood, SoFi Stadium. So I'm excited to see where this goes. But at the same time, this Rumble... Men's Rumble was weak. It was a 2.5 at best. I was not impressed. They could have brought in so much other talent. Hell, they could have brought in some NXT to win on talent to just showcase them. They don't, where's Camarillo Hayes, Braun Breaker? Where's, you know, Tony D'Angelo? Like, there's so many people they could have brought in just for the one night, just to give them a little taste of that, you know, big stage limelight. Or maybe they weren't ready. Maybe they aren't ready. And that's why stage fright's a big thing. You understand, like, 2.0 is a small, small arena. It's not the same as a big basketball stadium, hockey stadium, or even a big baseball park stadium. Like, you're talking the big, big lights, and it's intimidating, to say the least. So I understand why they don't want to expose their green talent. But Carmelo Hayes ain't green. Brown Baker for a green guy looks amazing. And, of course, this is a rumble match. It's not a it's not a one-on-one or even a tag match. There's like 30 people, other people, 29 other people there. So like, you're trying to eliminate people. It's easy to look like whatever, just to have bodies in there. But I don't know. There's just a lot going on. Where's the NXT UK talent they could have had in Trumbull? Like, they had the option to do a lot of things. And 20 different decisions later, this is what they chose. So I don't even know what I know what the last 19 decisions look like. Maybe they're worse. So 
That being said, this is not one of my favorite rumbles. It was okay. It was passable, I guess, but it, memorable? No. Infamously memorable? Yes. I mean, the highlight when the highlight of the rumble was people from outside WWE coming in to make a splash in WWE. When Bad Bunny was bigger highlight than I don't know. It's just nothing against Bad Bunny. I love the guy. He's got great music and he puts in the work in the ring. But he shouldn't be outshining stars on your own brand. I mean, yes, he's the biggest pop star in the world. Makes great music. Everyone knows who he is. At the same time, though, like usually you put him alongside somebody in the same caliber. And it says a lot when there's nobody along his caliber except for Brock Lesnar. So, WWE, get your shit together. Push some guys up the ladder. Make your guys that are up there look good. Make your Kevin Owens, your Kobe Kingstons, your Matt Riddles, your Big E's, your Bray Mysterio's not look so weak. I mean, Happy Corbin had a better outing here than most people. And I, no one likes Happy Corbin. <laughs> Nothing against the guy. He's a great dude in real life. But I'm just saying, like, his character is just whatever. An annoying heel. That's what I say, just an annoying heel. So, this was not the rumble I expected. It's the one we got. But in all fairness, the women did their thing. Even when there were so many changes last minute and so much low morale backstage, which I understand why. Like, you thought you were, um, let's say, number five, and now you're number 15, and, like, now you're not in the match. Like, there's just a lot going on promotion-wise. So, this is all reactionary to what they had to work with. But they had time. There's no excuse. They had time. Just can't make last-minute decisions like this all the time. You have to be able to stick with what you got and hope for the best. But, alas, I'm not a booker. I'm just a fan. But, that being said, this has been my review of the 2022 WWE's Royal Rumble. I thought it was okay. There are certain parts I liked, and there are certain parts I hated. And there are certain parts I really liked, and certain parts I'm like, didn't really bother me. But, it's... A 3.5 pay-per-view for me. I'm not going to kill it and say, oh, it's terrible. It's like, no. This thing has a 1.5 rating online. Like, sheesh, people are way too harsh. Like, they don't understand we've had way worse rumbles. Way worse. But I have to be fair. And I got to say, with all the matches, not just the rumble matches, but the actual matches, there were some great matches outside of the men's rumble. It was a good show. And the men's rumble just brought the average down from a 4 out of 5 to a 3.5 so there's that so with that being said this is the Puerto Rican Kaiju Mike for Hire the podcast mercenary Christian Joe Ramos signing off till next time thank y'all for tuning in for this review and many more to come down the road so thank y'all for listening as always take care have a great day and let's get ready to rumble no I'm not I'm not gonna get sleep for that okay take care bye